Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cashback. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. The Incomparable, number 616, May 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. This is an episode of our book club. We're going to talk about some books. I got nominated for some awards. That's right. It's shortlist book club 2022 edition part two of three so uh let me introduce my panelists who read these books and now we'll do what is our tradition struggle to remember them uh aline sims is here hello i read these ones yay you weren't on part one but you're back for part no. two yep i'm back i'm Rest back assured it's it's all it's all good dan Morin also not part of part one but but just parachuting in here with Aline for part two hi dan the, char- the characters who show up in part two are always the best characters that's <laughs> right yeah you're that's our avasarala exactly nailed mm-hmm. it sure uh Aline, you're our bobby then um see yes that's pretty great uh, great. We're gonna high five over here. Scott is here. He's always here. Scott McNulty. Hello. Hello. Wh- who am I? You're just a a guy who reads books. <laughs> I thought I might I, be an a, expanse you, character. Uh, you're a you guy with a space fedora. I'm an extra in the. You're a guy with a uh, no. You're a guy with a space fedora. I've got bad news for you though. After this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong with me. Nope. I have a hat and I'm in space. That's right. I've only read the first half of that book. And uh, and Erica Ensign is also here. Uh, you can be uh, you can be Naomi. It's fine. I've only read the first book. At least I got through the whole book. So, <laughs> so there you go. Words. So what what expanse character I've, are you? Yeah, but I've read all of these books. And that I'm we're Fred Johnson. Today. So there. <laughs> You're also great. Not then gonna make it maybe, but yeah. Spoilers for spoilers. A very long book series. Wow. Uh, we didn't read any Expanse books for this. This We are reading <laughs> nominees from the shortlists of the Hugo and Nebula Awards, and we're splitting the difference in this one uh, because we're going to talk about The Unbroken by C.L. Clark, which was a Nebula nominee. We're going to talk about A Master of Jin by P.J. Lee Clark, which was a Nebula and Hugo nominee. And we're going to speak about The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers, which was a Hugo nominee. So one from each and one from both. So there. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it now, we traditionally. Did, now, we did an entire episode, I believe, about The Galaxy and the Ground Within. Did we not? I believe so. So 
think so. I I, I don't even remember that. I was Jason. not there. I'm pretty sure. You know, before we Wait, started this episode, I? we discussed <laughs> how some podcasts are very prepared. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we say to those people? Screw you. Well, I know I talked about the galaxy on the ground within on recently read, and I can and I can find that. I'm not sure if we've devoted an episode to it or not. That yeah, no, we cool. haven't. It was just recently read. And, yeah, and I do believe that you spoke about it uh, in the "What are we reading?" What are we section? reading? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I think been that covered sounds a few right, times I, there. I feel like I remember it being discussed, but not on a right. Like a well, let's yeah, discuss okay. it now at least a little bit, shall we? It's mm-hmm. Becky Chambers. It's her Wayfarer series. It's what she says is the last one. Um, we did talk about it in previous episodes at least a little bit. Um, for me, the short version of it is: it's a book where nothing happens. Uh, there's like a ground control thing on a planet and everybody has to park their spaceships and hang out and wait for the traffic to clear. And if this sounds like it's boring, um, it's not. It's not. It's, it's wonderfully not. Uh, sort of, There's. it's sort of episodic like a lot of her stuff. It's got some wonderfully drawn characters and it really is, you know, could can can you write a really interesting, affecting, beautiful novel where a bunch of characters are just? I mean, the I mean, I think the answer is actually pretty obvious. You put a bunch of interesting characters together, mm-hmm. and they can't go anywhere, and they just kind of have to, you know, talk to each other, and interesting things happen, and that's what Galaxy in the Ground Within is. And I thought it was wonderful, and it's one of my favorite books I read last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because I, you know, I was always going to read it. And I always thought I would would like it because I've enjoyed the all the rest of the Wayfarers books. But um, I think the one that came out just before this one was I enjoyed it, but it was sort of my least favorite of them. And hearing you, Jason, say it's a book where nothing happens and it's amazing and wonderful. I was like, OK, so this is probably going to be one that I enjoy, but I don't super love the way I kind of love the, the first couple of books. And guess what? I was totally wrong mm. because you were right. Nothing happens. And it is so amazing. I think sometimes it uh, sometimes the the action and the excitement in a book takes all the air out of the room. So you don't have as much time for the kind of delicate and beautiful and intimate, just, you know, sitting around type character moments that this book is completely full of, and I love those moments, even in a book with a lot of action. And I don't know that I've ever read anything that is really just almost entirely those moments. And now I want to read lots of things that are like that. And so if anybody out there has read this book and knows of other similar things, please send send those recommendations my way because uh, I, I'm I'm not aware of things like that, and I would like to be aware of more of them. Send your books where nothing happens to Erica. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think yes, what's please. interesting about it is that even though nothing happens and some things do happen, some but it's do. not like it's not a, it's not a plot driven book in the basis sense. But I think what it captures is something that's actually very real, and that's what makes it resonate so much. Is like if you've ever say traveled and been like in a place where you met strangers and you had like a you know you i'm thinking about like if you get stuck someplace like you oh man we're snowed in at this inn or mm-hmm. i think about traveling in like youth hostels like when i was you know traveling in europe when i was like in my 20s and like you meet people that you form a temporary bond with that you're like oh you know we're all in this together 
uh, and like we are sort of forced together in a in a like small location or whatever. I was like on a bus trip in Ireland once with you know a dozen other people that I didn't know. But you come very become very close like over this small course of period, and then you kind of go your separate ways, and it has a big impact on you. But it's not like these are people that you knew for a long period of time. And I think that's that sort of it, it harkens to that idea to me of you can form these very strong bonds over something like a shared experience and. I think that's what makes it a beautiful, lovely book is that it is something that I think you can relate to, even if you have never been stuck in a refueling place in space before. Uh, there is still I something about have it. you? Only once. <clears throat> okay. I don't like to talk about it. No. Uh, but I think it it, it, um, <laughs> it taps into something that's sort of essential in in like a, a humanity sort of way. And I mean, the best, like the best science fiction often does. Uh, and so I think that sort of character driven element to me, it really worked for me. And I agree with Erica. I liked the other books. The previous one was also my least favorite. I think maybe just cause the more, it was very focused on mortality and that's just sometimes like, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't need this right now. Um, but I, I've enjoyed her writing is tremendous and amazing. And uh, this whole series is great, but this is far and away my favorite favorite i think of all of them i just it, it blew me away i read it i think on vacation last year and i just devoured it like you know i read it in like i don't know a day or two so it's great it's fantastic it's funny that you mentioned humanity because uh all the characters are aliens there is a minor <laughs> character I had that thought. <laughs> very late in the book who is a human um and if this is truly becky chambers last book in this universe one of the things that i like is that it allows her to bring out her parade of very interesting different aliens with their different mm. cultures and has them interacting with each other with the humans kind of off the board and um cuz the humans are sort of at the fore of the other books in the series and this is all about the aliens and um yeah it's 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 incredibly but even even well though done. they're alien there's something recognizable of course, in them of us exactly cause, yeah because that's all good science fiction is like that also i think as we've established on the book club before um planets are in space and so therefore if you spend a lot of time <laughs> in a gas station you've spent a lot of time in a fueling station in space i'm just saying accurate that is accurate i guess that's fair scott how'd you feel about this one uh i liked it a lot i will uh say that of the three this is my favorite um i enjoy i like i like the whole series uh, i am reminded by looking at goodreads that uh the series won the hugo award for best series which i have problems with the fact that that award exists but yes. not for problems for the fact that this won uh, so uh it was it was a lot of fun i read it a long time ago yeah i don't remember much about it i remember there was a, a delivery of baked goods that uh mm -hmm. or something like that that had catastrophic consequences and uh uh, that's a bit all I remember. About. That's good memory, though. That that absolutely mm -hmm. happens. There is a there is a, a DoorDash that gone horribly wrong in space <laughs> on planet in space. Mm -hmm. uh, Aline. So the thing about this book is that it brought to the forefront the thing I loved about the first book of the series, which was uh, Becky Chambers's ability to create believable alien races and not just not not believable relatable to humans alien races and not just one not just two <laughs> but like <laughs> a whole broad swath of very like very alien alien races it's not like 
you know, like Star Trek, like, okay, well, we'll put a spoon on their forehead (laughs) and make them like the heat and make them kind of aggressive. And otherwise, they're pretty much human, right? Like, they're very, very different from people, Um, not people, from humanity. (laughs) And so I love that. And so when I read this series, I am always just gobsmacked, specifically the first book and this book. I'm just gobsmacked by her imagination and her ability to write amazing, believable, charismatic characters I love. And you know, I, I say it, I think, every single book club episode. I am about characters. If I can't like the characters in a book, I'm not going to like the book. If a book is more about the machinations of war or battles or whatever, which we're going to talk about about a later book, um, I'm not going to like it so much. And so I loved this book, even though not a lot happens. It it just I fell in love with it. I fell in love with all of these characters and Aline's audiobook um narrator review. She was so good. The narrator was so, so, so good. And it added another just it was just like icing on the cake for this particular novel because it was just such good voices. Like I don't do voices, but I love it when my audiobook narrators do voices. <laughs> so it was, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. The characters are lovable. Um, they're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's good. Read it. Yeah. Read it. Like, <laughs> just read it. And, and yeah, just read it. When we say nothing happens, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of being funny here. Like, because as, as mm-hmm. Dan said, lots of drama can come out of a bunch of people just trapped in a location together. And that's what this is. But what, what it is, is what it is not is a science fiction. It's set in a science fictional space opera esque universe, but that's not what this book is. This book is about the interplay of characters and cultures uh, as embodied in these, in these characters um, and them learning about each other when they're, you know, stuck down on this planet together. So what it isn't is a rollicking adventure where there's mm-hmm. a, an antagonist who's doing terrible. Th- like it's not, that's not what it is. It's a bunch of people who have to learn about each other um and 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 live together in uh for a brief time while they're kind of waiting out the traffic jam that is happening in space around them and that that is it, it's not that nothing happens and it's certainly not boring but it's not it's not about the it's not being driven by incident it is about the characters um there I mean, there is an incident in it but it's like it's they're not, not trying it, to fix it or overcome the incident. Yeah. They're and just that, kind of and waiting that incident out. involves yeah. uh, baked goods being delivered by mistake. <laughs> so that's it's that kind of just to give you an idea. Yeah, Jason, you make a good point too that there's no antagonist, and I do find that quite often I like books and stories where the antagonist is just the situation, uh, and that's that's kind of what this is. And the situation really isn't even an antagonist here. It's just, you know, it sort of uh, propels things. I'd say propels things forward, but it basically propels things nowhere because yeah. they're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Anything more about the Galaxy on the Ground Within, or should we move on? Because Just really, read it. Yeah, just read it's it. just it's so really good. good. Even if you like, so listen good. to that description and are like, oh, I don't know, that sounds like a book that's boring. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> It's, it's not. It's, it's not. not it's really good. Yep. Good job, Hugo. 
<laughs> nominator people. I was going to say Mr. Hugo. Mr. Hugo, the, Victor the, Hugo. The ghost I mean, of Victor Hugo put, who comes, emerges I, every year and says, I'm into <laughs> science fiction now. I did put this on my ballot, so you're welcome. Okay, thank you, Thanks, Erica. Erica, specifically <laughs> Erica. That's right. Is your middle name Hugo? <laughs> it's not. Interesting. It it's Booberry. Specifically. <laughs> specifically. Time to take a little break for a sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you in part by Collide. Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Mac, Linux, and Windows devices all right inside of Slack. It's perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. That will frustrate your team, and Collide doesn't want to do that. It wants to educate your employees about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems themselves. Collide knows that for IT admins, the key to solving some of the most common security issues is to educate the end user. So for example, they can instruct developers to set passphrases on their unencrypted SSH keys, or find plain text two-factor backup codes on the system and teach the end users how to store those securely. Or imagine encouraging employees to uninstall some bad browser extensions that they may have installed that might compromise their security when they're in their web browser. Those are just some of the use cases that are not solved by simply locking down a device. Now, you can try Collide with all its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days with no credit card required. That's right. Try it out at collide.com slash Snell. That's right. That's my last name. You heard it. K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash S-N-E-L-L. And if you enter your email when prompted, you'll get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. Thank you to Collide for supporting The Incomparable. Now, back to the podcast. Let's talk about A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. This is from the, oh, what's it? The Haunting of Train Car. Mur- tram, tram Car 19, car. I tram believe. Tram Car mur- 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 015. Um, yeah, it was 015. It, it's the Dead Jin universe. This is set in uh in in Cairo and thereabouts in a world where there has been in in the early 20th century, late 19th century, a breakthrough in terms of magic that has basically brought uh the jinn back to Egypt and it's l- made Egypt a power in the early 20th century and um and amidst all of this basically uh, P. Jelly Clark has a couple of different protagonists that he uses uh, who work for the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities. This book is about Fatma, who is the um, the youngest woman working on uh, on this squad and 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 one of the few women involved in the in the police force. And uh, not so, the police, the the spooky well, police. The, the spooky, well, I was going to say it's basically like. She's like they also the have X Files. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, this is the spooky police. They are the magic police. So, so basically, she's the supernatural police, and and these stories are all kind of structured in a mystery slash detective cop kind of a story. But of course, there's a lot more to it because there's there's magic, and in this case, uh, a, a shocking opening scene where uh, somebody uh, breaks into a meeting of kind of wealthy well well off men and one woman i think and um yeah. and murders them all supernaturally and the the rumor is that the the um one of the greatest men in history 
Al-Jahiz has returned from the dead. Uh, he's the guy who brought the jinn back. He's returned from the dead and is going to take over because this modern 20th century uh, Cairo is not going to work and he's going to have to usher in his old school um, mores and old school ways. But is it really him come back from the dead? Is that possible or is there more going on here? And that's the story of a master of jinn is uh, is Fatma having to fi- figure out she's saddled with a new partner in another one of those nice cop story things, a very spunky new partner. Um, she's got uh, she's got a uh, a girlfriend who's got a complicated backstory. There's a lot going on in this uh, in this book. Uh, who would like to talk about it first? I'll go first. I I did just finish it uh, not Great. too long ago. Um, and yeah, I, you know, we've read some of the other stories mm-hmm. that are in this universe and uh, none of them particularly, I don't know, I didn't love them in part because I'm not a huge fan of alternate history and I'm also not a huge fan of like steampunky stuff. This and is this in, setting has in the both. ballpark. Yep. Yep. Um, but for some reason, I've really just like maybe i just maybe i hit my critical mass i needed to read a certain number of stories <laughs> set in this universe to really just sort of get it to resonate with me and uh i don't know if it was that or if it was just that this particular story hit me uh, better than the rest of them but i really i really enjoyed agent fatma a lot and i like <laughs> one of the things i liked a lot was the way that this uh this world and this city really felt very developed to me because of how she had to interact with all of the different levels of society and also the police, which is one of the reasons I was pointing out like she's not a police officer because um, Cairo police officer uh, Asim is uh, is somebody that she has to interact with again and again throughout the book. And I just I really liked him as a character, just sort of like a, a matter of fact, like he's a cop. He just wants to get the job done and does not understand what it is that she does. But he trusts her. And I find that that's a, that's a thing that uh, that kind of goes throughout the book is that she knows a lot of people throughout the city of Cairo uh, in a lot of different places, you know, with the underground jazz club. Uh, it, like, you know, they recognize her. They know her name there. There. She's got this police officer, officer that she's buds with. She she knows uh, you know Jin in different areas. She's she's good pals. Well, she's not good pals with the librarian that's in charge of the uh, the library because he's a snob. <laughs> but uh, but just I, I it felt like a really lived in city in the, in a lived in story with a character who knew where she belongs in the world and is just trying to get the job done and. I don't know if there was another story that uh, was there another story where where Fatima and Siti like because they keep talking about um, yeah. taking down an angel. Yeah, and I was. don't think I read that. I think that's a dead jinn in Cairo. Or is yeah, it's the first Jot? one, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I, re- I read that, but it was a long time ago. I don't think I had read that, but uh, I appreciated how it was referred to in a way that gave me enough information to recognize this is a story that I could go back and read if I wanted to. Um, and uh and I didn't feel like I was missing uh, anything Im- important enough that I had to go back and read it in order to understand what was happening in this book. So I may 
go back and check it out now. And I might not. And, even, and if I don't, I feel like I still understood everything that was happening in this in this book. And uh, I actually <laughs> mentioned this book on an episode of my Doctor Who podcast, Verity, because uh, we were doing a an, an, an question and answer episode and somebody asked, what costume would you like for the next Doctor in Doctor Who to wear? And this is before we knew who the next actor was going to be to play the doctor. And the first thing that popped into my head was Agent Fatma and how every Ooh. single day she's wearing a different suit. And there is a specific description of the suit that she is wearing because she wears tailored men's suits and, and often a bowler cap and a, a sword cane. And it, it not only describes what she's wearing, but often why she made those choices, whether she was, you know, feeling like she wanted a little pop of color for some specific reason, or if she just wanted to, you know, keep things a little bit more more cool so that, you know, she could blend into the crowd a little bit more, even though it was clear she was never going to blend into a crowd because she's just way too stylish. Um, and after uh, Shudi Gatwa was cast as the next doctor, I was like, yes, I would like to stand by my choice <laughs> to just have the next doctor wearing tailored suits from, you know, roughly 1912 in their American style suits. So I uh, that usually I get bored by the descriptions of clothing. But for some reason, that did not bother me at all in this. And I just it, it just it fit with everything and it flowed. And I think I kind of didn't care all that much about the plot. I was just really interested in uh, in, in the way that she lived her life and the city that she was wandering around in. I, that I would kind of go back and forth between being interested in the plot and then less interested in what was happening. And then uh, mostly I just wanted her to wander around and go to jazz clubs and talk to people. Mm. So so yeah, it's still worth re- still worth reading, but not not for the plot for me, I guess. Yeah, I read this a while ago, and as is my want, I don't recall most of the plot, um, or at least the resolution thereof. But I do remember the characters in the world, and I agree with Erica that the world building in this is really great. I always enjoy sort of the um, you know Middle Eastern or uh, Arabic influenced. Um, fantasy stuff. I think I, I just have an affinity for that. I studied some of it in school and I just really enjoy the the world they're sort of building on here. Uh, the steampunk stuff, yeah, I could I could take it or leave it, but I think it works here. And I enjoy the way that they sort of, you know, that the world is fleshed out and turned into something that isn't just like, okay, it's Cairo in 1912, except there's magic, right? Like there's other stuff going on here. It's a little deeper. They've sort of uh, expanded it a bit from there. Uh, the characters are fun. Um, I enjoyed sort of like there, as as Erica described, Agent Fatma is a really interesting dynamic character and there's a lot going on her and she's got her like trainee partner there, uh, which is just sort of a fun dynamic because it seems like she like really looks up to her essentially because she's, you know, one of the most prominent women in the force and so she's kind of trying to like she's also the newbie is sort of really smart too but is kind of just trying to you know figure out how to find their place in the uh in the ministry so all of those sort of you know quote-unquote political wranglings are kind of entertaining as well uh but yeah i i really like this world and i think it's the star here i mean there's a reason i can understand why he has written all these different little stories in it because it seems like a a very vast interesting setting in which you can do a whole bunch of stuff and and being able to sort of you know play with that in a variety of different ways uh, i think speaks to the fact that it's really fleshed out very well so yeah i i enjoyed it even if as with erica i found the plot ultimately didn't matter as much as everything else (laughs) that was going on there but um yeah it's it's still kind of a, a fun book to read 
Yeah. And going back to what Erica said, this is the first book I've read in this universe. So I didn't even know there were others. Um, so that's not a that's not a detriment at all. My lack of knowledge wasn't a hindrance to me. Um, and in fact, it wasn't until, I don't know, halfway through where I was like, so did he just do a really good job of coming up with a backstory or are there actually like, is there are there prequels to this? And <laughs> I did a little bit of research and was like, oh, I guess there's more I should maybe consider reading. Um, so if you're if you're thinking that you can't read this because you haven't read any of the short stories or novellas or whatever there that come before. That's not the case at all. Um, don't let that bother you. And yeah, the world building is good. The characters are good. I love anything set in Egypt, especially mm. early 1900s. Um, like Elizabeth Peter, but Elizabeth mm. Peter's books love, love, love them so much. Um, so this, this is uh, kind of a more, modern less racist kind of <laughs> way to uh scratch that itch um and so i was totally into it and like the plot is also good um there are parts of it that i feel were really predictable like the conclusion much of the conclusion was like oh yeah saw that coming that was really predictable, but there were aspects of it that were not predictable to me. So it was kind of a mixed bag in that respect, but there was enough of it that I wasn't expecting that it kept me interested because it wasn't like um, reading a Mary Higgins Clark novel or something where it's like, oh, I know exactly how this is going to go. You know, it wasn't a, a very um, like procedural type of uh, formulaic book. So I, I liked it. And I, I love um, I thought about Erica the entire time I was reading it because I was like, oh, yep. Alt history steampunky. Wonder if she's actually going to like it. So yeah. I'm really glad to hear that you did. You did enjoy it. Scott. I wanted to like this book more than I did. Uh, so I like the, I will just echo what everyone said about world building and characters. That's all great. Uh, if you read this book like a mystery, it is not very good because mm -hmm. the mystery is not very difficult to solve and you yep. get frustrated when the characters have not yeah. already solved it mm -hmm. because it is yep. so obvious. Uh, and then the mystery is over, but the book isn't. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And uh, that annoyed me as well. But if you can, uh, like the rest of the people who were singing the praises of the book, ignore the plot. <laughs> it's really good. If the plot matters, it's not great. <laughs> That's my quick yeah. thoughts I, on that I was book. I was going to go there too, which is I love the setting of these books. I think the characters are a lot of fun. I think the, there's some intrigue like when, when Fatma goes... To, I mean, it turns out that her girlfriend is more than she appears. We'll put it that way. And she's, there's like a cult and all that. Like, there's all this, like, whoa, you scratch a little thing and you find there's so much depth there. And the, the, so the, all of that is really fun. But yes, it's not a very good mystery. And it gets resolved and the book keeps going. And it ends <laughs> up in kind of like a kaiju battle at the mm -hmm. end. And I mm -hmm. thought, like 
I just it 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 didn't work for me. It seemed unnecessary, and I would have rather something on a lower scale. Like I really like how the book kind of hypes up the idea that this could be a catastrophic threat, and like how could we even defeat somebody with all these powers? Um, but then when it gets to the end, it it it, it ended up being like an overpowered thing, and then there, there's the way that it gets resolved, and it's like yeah, it didn't it didn't. It seemed out of balance to me. It seemed like maybe it bit off more than it could chew in terms of that. And then in terms of the actual mystery of it. And there's sort of a like a head fake, too, that I didn't really appreciate where there's like a scene kind of midway through the book where it feels like things are going to be revealed and and it's going to be really bad for our heroes. And then the book is sort of like it's that scene where they're like in a the 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 mystery person is going to speak to a crowd and and there's a lot of Mm -hmm. trouble and danger there. And then it all just kind of like gets swept away so that they can reposition everybody for the next wave mm-hmm. of plot and that that stuff yeah. didn't didn't work for me at all so i was i was carried along by the fact that i love the setting the writing is fun the uh, characters are interesting um but yeah uh that's that's why i didn't like it as much as i wanted to I, I, same reason scott when i was when i said before that i was kind of like in and out in terms of how much i was invested in the plot jason that's exactly that's exactly it yep yeah it's just agreed and and, and it's okay. It's a good book. It just, it, you know, it was better. <laughs> I wanted it to be great. And the and mm-hmm. the, the, the plot and the mystery and all of that needed to be better for it to be great instead of just good. But it's good. And I will read, I will say this, I will read any book, any nov- novel or novella or anything set in this universe at this point, because it's a really fun universe. And uh, P. Jelly Clark is a very good writer. So mm-hmm. I'll say that I about will- it. I will say that I actually, because I was not paying that much attention to the mystery as a mystery, I wasn't trying to read it as a mystery book at all, uh, that I wasn't super disappointed by the fact that I did kind of figure out who the the big bad was, which I never do because I'm usually really bad at that. Um, and I was, when when we got to the, the solving the mystery and the book kept going, I was actually relieved uh, <laughs> because well. that meant that meant that it wasn't just a mystery book that I had happened to figure out. It was that there was more to it. And and I actually I, I quite liked the way that the ending sort of sort of tied everything up. And I I agree that it maybe didn't feel like the most balanced, but uh, but I enjoyed it anyway. I don't want to give anything away. But uh, but yeah, I, I liked I liked the way that the culmination sort of came together. Okay, time for one more break. Uh, It is another sponsor. This episode of The Incomparable also brought to you this time by LinkedIn. You know, time and place is everything, especially in marketing. But in today's age of a million messages per minute and not enough hours in the day, how do you really catch your target audience's attention? Fortunately, there is a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak to exactly the right people at the right time. With LinkedIn becoming number one in B2B display advertising in the U.S., you've got a huge advantage to stand out against your competitors while nurturing customer relationships and growing your brand. LinkedIn delivers you quantity and quality. Its targeting tools let you reach your precise audience, right down to their job title, right down to the name of their company, right down to their location, and more, which means your ads are being seen by exactly those who matter. It's no wonder companies of all sizes and sectors are using it. Take Main Street, a company who helps venture-backed startups claim tax credits. They increase their annual recurring revenue by $12 million using LinkedIn's marketing solutions. So scale your marketing and grow your business with LinkedIn advertising. And as a thank you to their customers for helping 
them grow three times faster than the competition, LinkedIn is offering $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash Snell. I love it when they use my name in the URL. That is linkedin.com slash Snell to claim your credit. Thank you to LinkedIn for using the offer code Snell, which I love, and for supporting the incomparable. Now back to the podcast. Let's move on then to our third selection, which is called The Unbroken. It's by Sheree Clark. It is a fantasy novel about a, um, let's see if I can get this right. There is a, an empire that has taken over a desert country. The empire has no magic, but many of the outlying countries do have magic. The empire is basically a godless empire, but the, the, um, the uh, other parts of uh, other cultures on the world have uh, religions and they have magic. Um, our main character is a soldier who is from the deserty land that has been conquered by this empire, but is in the employ of the empire as a soldier and has returned to her place of birth where she was taken as a child as part of a force with a, a essentially a princess, a, a queen in waiting to she, and she's going to, um, assert her power in order to prove herself as a worthy ruler. She's going to assert her power here in this conquered land. And one of the soldiers is Touraine, uh, our, our main character. I mean, Luca, who is the, the queen in waiting is our other main character. I'd say she's sort of second, but they're both the intertwined two characters here. Um, first thing Terrain does when she gets there is, um, execute somebody who knows who she is from, uh, when she was a child. <laughs> so that doesn't go great. Uh, and there's a, a immediate, uh, uh, sense that, um, even though you might start this book thinking that the, uh, the point of view character and the point of view, uh, the, the, her boss, they're the, uh, they're going to be the the center of this, right? It becomes very clear that they are oppressing these people who are trying to rebel and that uh, Terrain is going to be placed in a position to have to decide, is she going to reconnect with her people and, um, and be, uh, and help them rebel? Or is she going to stay with, uh, the, with the, the military? She gets betrayed by the military and sort of saved and becomes the attache slash bodyguard to the princess instead. Um, they are all the rumors say that they have a relationship, which they don't, but, hmm, but they might, but they don't. <laughs> um, and then she portrays her and goes off uh, with the rebels who hate her guts because she's a turncoat for, who, who turned away from her, her uh her people but now she's back but you know that's no gratitude there thank you very much there's a lot that goes on uh, in the <laughs> scale here is uh power and empire and an occupied territory and a rebellion and and there's just this is a very this is a big book with a whole lot of stuff stuffed inside of it and maybe too much question mark? i wouldn't I, say maybe dan i'd yeah, say so definitely too much here's the thing that gets me is the most interesting part of this book to me the one that i was most intrigued about is not addressed in this book because it's clearly setting up a series 
And that's this whole idea that there's like that r- city across the river yeah. that's been yeah. abandoned. Yes. And there's like there. a library in there with books that nobody can get to. Yeah. And the one time they try to go, a crocodile bites a person's leg, <laughs> leg off. off. And you're like, okay, got to know more about what's happening over there. Yeah. That is not addressed for the rest of the I, book. I will say, I also, in the in the stuff that I really, really liked in it, they, they go out in the desert and there's like the ceremonies and there's magic and oh, yeah. stuff. And, and, and the princess is out there along with Terrain and it's like really like whoa this is like you you thought this was this a little more mundane story but it's not there's some really weird stuff out on the outskirts and then what they do is basically say let's go back into the uh, mundane stuff so uh, (laughs) the the thing that frustrated me about this book is for a book that is making a point and that point is very clearly anti-colonial it, it kind of is telegraphed from the get-go. And so as a result, I never felt really the conflict in terrain about should I stay with this, you know, military that's raised me or should I go and like join my people and fight back against this empire that has basically enslaved us. And it's like, well, duh. Well, and <laughs> don't don't forget, there's a weird interim step where she's like, "Oh, should I stay with the, with the this military? Oh no, they're full of bastards, and they've completely betrayed me and set me up, and they're going to execute me." Uh, oh, and then she gets saved by the princess, so she gets to go through it again, right? Which right, is exactly. do I betray I mean, the princess gets, now? She betrays kind of everybody, everybody at various points, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, just a lot. Of, this is like bad decision theater, and and I just I got frustrated because it felt like. I felt like her evolution was a foregone conclusion and therefore it did not interest me mm. because I could yeah, see boring. where it was going. Yeah. It was boring. <laughs> this was yeah. it was I yep. I listened to the audiobook. The audiobook is 14 hours long. Yep. I listened to it at 1.3 speed and I was bored almost the entire time I was reading it. So I as a person as a political being, I'm already on board with yep. like colonialism has done a lot of damage in the world. Like you don't got to convince me totally on board with it. And still like this book did not do the work that I felt like it needed to do. Like, I, I don't know. It, it was just dull. And, and you're like magic. This person has been like shot almost to death on death's doorstep and then they sleep for a month and they're fine and we don't talk about the magic yeah. we don't talk about the it's we're, we're talking i just <sighs> i'm so happy we none of us talked about this beforehand and i i i have to say um not to tell the the you know how i rated it the way I did on Goodreads thing, but I, I rated it three stars because I think it's very well written. I think the characters yes. are memorable. I think a lot of the situations in the book are in, interesting and intriguing. And then I slept on it. And then in the morning, I opened up my iPad and I took it down to two stars because I said, okay, all of that is true, <laughs> but it's super boring. Like all I, of that Jason, is true, but but it, it not not 500 pages of it. Thank you for clarifying that because I swore to God that I saw you rated it three stars. And I, then I, I did. checked later when you're like, I didn't like it. I was like, wait a second, we rated it the same thing, but I thought it was okay. And he thought it was, oh no, he changed that, it. That was, oh, thank for, you because for I, because I, I was grinding on this book for so long and I said, it's got to matter that I struggled to get through this book. I did not, it did not fly for me. It was a real grind. And I think, you know, I needed to 
accept the fact that that what 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 Aline just came out and said it. So fine. It's really boring. It is way too slow and um not enough things happen. And some of the things that happen happen way too many times. How many yeah. times can yeah. somebody get mm-hmm. captured and held and escaped and recaptured and reheld and then redeemed and then reescape and be captured and like it it is endless and it's just too it's too much of all of those things it needed to be slimmer it needed to be more right to the point as dan said it would i think it would have helped with the telegraphing of her arc a little bit if we didn't have to grind through it for so long yeah yes yeah it hits the same beats Mm -hmm. kind of over and over again and i thought that was frustrating it starts really strong is the other thing like i i was flipping through pretty well until i you know maybe hit the, the quarter or third mark and i was like where is this go? Like, and then I just really taper. Like, oh come on, we we didn't we already cover this? So yeah, <laughs> this is the one that I really wanted to like, and and I actually I ended up doing the same thing on Goodreads. I think I liked it more than the rest of you guys, um, but I ended up doing the same thing with like the four stars, then now to three stars, um, because yep. I just yeah, and and I have I've read some of CL Clark's short work and really really liked it so i knew that at least you know i was going to enjoy the way that the book was written even if i didn't dig the story itself and kind of like i said i was just sort of like in and out in terms of how invested i was in a master of gin it was that but but more so in this because yes it did start really strong i was very interested in where it was going and and i did also actually have the drawback and i think we talked about this in the very last book club episode where um i when the point of view character is a soldier that's i have real trouble connecting to that so i you know that's an extra layer between me and the story um i think i, I yeah i didn't i didn't really love the character and i didn't particularly love uh Luca either, but I was really interested in them, which is, I don't know, it was it, yeah. it was a, a weird d- d- determination to sort of like figure out exactly how I felt, but I was just interested enough that I would keep reading. And then, yeah, I would hit a, a patch where I was just sort of like, oh, this kind of feels like a slog. And then something would happen and I would get kind of interested again and then it would feel sloggy again. And, you know, like the way that you just described it, Jason, in terms of, you know, getting captured and escaping and captured and escaping. And it's like, I think I have a high tolerance for that because I Doctor watched so much Who, Doctor yeah. Who from <laughs> 1970. <laughs> Um, so, so I was, I was kind of okay with that, but yeah, it did, it went on longer than I would have liked. Uh, and, and I too was immediately on board with the, you know, colonization is terrible and it, you know, needs to be brought down. And I agree. I didn't, I, I really had trouble at the beginning as interested as I was in what was happening. I had trouble really believing that Touraine had bought in that much. I mean, clearly she did, but I felt like the book had to hit me over the head with that a bunch because it just, I don't know, it felt like well, otherwise there obviously. Would be no t- there would be no tension, right? <laughs> yeah. Like right. The whole point is we're all like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's bad. Everyone agrees yep. that's bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. So so I, I I liked it more than the rest of you, but all of the things that you have said were things that I recognized even while I was, mm. was reading it. Um, I will, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to read the next book it's it seems like this is going to be a series because it does say series magic of the lost you know release number one so if there's another one i think i'm going to look at the page count before i decide if i want to read it and i feel like if it's maybe edited down a little bit more because i am interested in you know we have so the you know they're there in in kazael which is the the deserty country mm-hmm. and they have their magic and then there are other um, places nearby that have different kinds of magic and i'm interested in the magic stuff and i'm 
definitely interested in that freaking city. <laughs> lost <Yeah>. city <laughs> yeah. that we, we didn't get to see. Like, I want to know what happens there. And honestly, I think the thing that 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 really brought me back to the story uh, toward the you know sort of beginning middle was I was very very hardcore like just shipping terrain and Luca to get like I just I loved their relationship until terrain did something that I just couldn't under like you know you guys talked about she betrayed her she be- basically betrayed everyone the bad decision theater is the perfect way to put it uh, Dan because I I, I didn't. I, I didn't buy it. Like all of the decisions, I was just like, okay, well, this is clearly a story that's told from the perspective of somebody who just does not get it and doesn't know what they're doing, which makes it really hard to root for them as a pr- protagonist from time to time. And I wanted them to get together. I wanted those two crazy kids to get together. And I by the end of the book, I was like, maybe I don't actually want them to yeah, get so, together uh, anymore because they both made bad choices. I had the opposite feeling, which is I did not buy their romance at all. It did not oh. work for me. Yeah, I don't know why. I just... I felt like, well, the plot has put these two people together and therefore we're supposed to want them to fall in love. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't really see it. (laughs) So maybe that was just me. I don't know. But it did not. I felt it was forced and I did not see, especially because there's a scene very early on where she like kind of is like, well, I'm her. I assume she wants me to be her like lover slash concubine. And she like offers and then turns her down or something. And then there's a bit where there's like, you know, she has to like help her take because she's so she is disabled, right? And so she has mm-hmm. like her leg injury, and so she's helping massage the leg at one point. And I'm like, this is the least sensuous in my <laughs> feeling massage. I just I did not buy the romance. It did not work for me. So I felt like it was kind of manufactured. I feel like there's a missed opportunity there too, because you you really do have the queen in waiting. I mean, the, when I describe it as the queen in waiting and she needs to prove herself or she's never gonna the regent's never gonna let her be the queen. And she has to put down these people. Um and then terrain, she's a soldier and they mistreat her, but she's got her soldiers who are like her are from this place and are mistreated and she feels responsible for them. And and so you end up in this situation where Luca, the princess, basically does not, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to be the cruel tyrant, but she has to be the cruel tyrant in order to become the ruler, at which point she could like maybe chill out a little bit. And so she's trying to balance all these things, whereas the person who's from there, uh, Terrain, is just like, no, like you can't, you can't do that. I, I get the conflict and the, uh, you know, I want to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. And I want to protect my people, even though I'm in a terrible position, like all of that is in there, but in the individual notes, the individual execution of that relationship, especially, which is so fraught, it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't take flight. It's just kind of awkward and, and kind of misses, I think. Scott, do you have any thoughts about this one? Uh, well, I I agree with everyone. I think oh. it's 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 uh, <laughs> Scott is the welcome. is the king in waiting. He is very it's, diplomatic. It's true. <laughs> now, well, I think it's very ambitious, right? So I don't want to knock it for being totally. quite ambitious. And uh, I like a lot of the themes that are run throughout the book. I don't like the fact that I was hit over the head several times repeatedly by the themes over and over again when I thought that. The situation was such that you didn't have to just spell out what I was supposed to think, but you could show me the situation and I could be led to thinking that, um, and which is, I think, would have made this much better if uh, maybe cut out 100 pages of it telling me what to think and just showed me the situation and I could have figured it out myself. Um, 
But yeah, I don't know if I'll read the second one, but maybe it'll be nominated for something and I'll have to. Read. Yeah, that was my thought. Or, or again, maybe somebody will say, oh, in this one, they go to, they take a, a trip to the, the Forbidden City and learn all the secrets that are there. Like, okay, maybe, maybe, all right, maybe. All right, yeah, yeah, sure. But I mean, there's the, a lot of interesting tantalizing things in this book, but um, it they're, they're covered by many other things that are not so tantalizing. Yeah, it's, it's strange too, because, you know, Scott will know this especially, which is sometimes we mm. read books on this podcast because they're nominated for things and we hate them, right? Yes. <laughs> sometimes you read them and you're like, I hate this. Why did this get nominated? It's I don't feel that way about The Unbroken. I think it's well-written no. with good characters, yeah. Yeah. but it's it's so long and repetitive and slow <laughs> and just to grind and to read. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it just doesn't pull me along. And so I wanted to like it a lot and I didn't. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. I have gone on record on this podcast many times saying that repetition is a valid artistic choice. And I think in this book, it was a poor artistic choice. Yeah, yeah it, I, it felt to me like she got lost in, uh, sorry, well, the, the character got lost in in the spin cycle, right? Of mm -hmm. I'm captured, I'm not captured, I'm captured, I'm not captured. And the goal by the author, by C.L. Clark, the goal is um, to tempt her or uh, or have her come face to face with the thing she's trying to run from. And like, I get it. But it, it happens so many times. And so many I and I and I just and it, at some point I was just like, come on now. Are we doing this again? Like Doctor Who, right, Erica? It's like <laughs> yep. again, again she's in jail. Again the the evil guy is gonna come and threaten her. Okay, I guess we're doing this again. Right. And and to Dan's point, like there's no the tension of having a character who is caught between two worlds and trying to make a decision, right? Uh, this empire raised me, so I should and it brings some good things, so I should feel sympathetic towards it. Or my homeland that I have been ripped from, and they're doing horrible things over here. So there's a tension there. But the this empire is just doing horrible things, and everyone's like, no, these are bad things. Like, there's no believable tension there. Yeah, I, I also wanted the... I was very mixed on the relationship with uh, her mother, which is a sort of ongoing theme. Uh and I think it suffers from some of the same problems, which is it hits the same beat too many times yeah. of just like their relationship. It takes a long time to evolve to the point where you kind of are expecting it to go. And then it kind of happens all in a rush, I feel like. And I just I struggled with it. Like I saw what they were doing and I, I kind of thought it was refreshing to essentially have you're expecting like her mother who she's been you know ripped from to be really like sad and welcome her back with open arms. And instead, she's just like, no, I don't like you. I don't like what you stand <laughs> for. I was like, that's all right. That's an interesting twist. I enjoyed that. But then it's just like it just kept going. <laughs> and there wasn't like it took so long to get to a point where it's like, OK, maybe now they can kind of have a mutual respect, if nothing else. But it doesn't really feel like it evolves. It feels like it's a straight line That's and then just is. takes a right mm -hmm. turn. And you're like, oh, it's different now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what bothers me. And that's that's why I feel like boring was the right word. Is because I don't feel like there's character development. Yeah. It feels like the characters stay the same. They're just put in different situations that are then cyclical, but the characters, they don't change. None of them mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Even Luca, the, the princess is, 
at the beginning, she's not personality wise and like in terms of learning things, you're right. She she feels the same way, it seems like at the very beginning. She doesn't she doesn't want to come down hard on these people. She is trying to like right off the bat, trying to give them better working conditions and like at the end of the book, I think she still wants to be that kind of a person. Like, yeah, yeah there, there hasn't been a big change. And I mean, yeah, I suppose we do technically get a change because the very, very beginning terrain uh, is, you know, really all go empire, go empire, go. Right. And by Unexamined the end, isn't, life but of, it's not. Yeah. yeah, it's not like a character development beat. It's just a. I, I guess I changed my mind but, a little bit, but and, I'm still the same person. And even there, e- even there, it's not go empire, right? Because it's I'm a sand, which means yes. I am a I am a a discriminated against race in this empire True. of of light skinned people. I'm a dark skinned person, so I I can't I can't even aspire higher than my low station. I have been well, sexually assaulted by one of my superiors, and go and now uh, I guess I'll execute this person who looks like me and knows my name. I mean, that's, that's how it starts. That's well, the, at the very beginning, you know, she really is. She does have aspirations to advance. She wants to be the sand that that actually becomes a captain and is promoted high enough that she can show the rest of the empire that, uh, you know, just because her skin is dusky doesn't mean that she is a uh, what is it? Uncivilized is how the uh, the, the God filled nations are referred to. Mm-hmm. So and she but the thing is, you're right. She loses that particular aspiration pretty quickly and then after that it's sort of just the one note and that aspiration is all in protection of the sands like that is all yes yeah like that's never for her that is all about i mean i'm not saying that that she's intended to be like this altruistic character but like as as i remember it the her overriding motivation for it is always like, oh well, the sands are oppressed. Yeah, the I, sands are not treated I well. I must protect if my, I can my fellow advance, soldiers. Basically, yeah, is what it comes back yeah, down to. Yeah, if I can advance, then I can can show them that sands can can be treated better and should be treated better, right? Yeah. And so that never changes. It's just her approach to it changes because of the situation that she's in. It's never. I don't know. It, 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 the overarching goal doesn't feel like it's that different to me because, yeah, she wants to advance in the military, but it's not because she wants to advance in the military. She just wants better for her people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What you said makes sense to me. Yes. I don't know <laughs> if it makes sense. In the story. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff in there where it's like, I want to feel torn. Like, so the general is the character. Right. Who you're like, Mm -hmm. I understand you're trying to set me up to kind of want to like this person, but it was done very unevenly. And like, you were told like, oh, we want to respect this person. This person's important. But also like, you have that creeping doubt, right? Where everything that is described about what this person did to raise you is like, that doesn't seem really good. No, like, yeah, you're abusive. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's all bad. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, but we're oh, also, and I understand you want us to like a character who is not supposed to be a good person, but it it failed in some ways for me because I was told we should like them, and then shown all the reasons not to like them, and it's like, well, yeah, again, it's very obvious. 
this person is not a good person, right? Like, I didn't feel the tension, really, because it was like, one of these things was like, oh, they're a good person. Here's all the terrible things they've done. It's like, well, balanced out, I'm going to go with all the terrible things you just showed me. Yeah, I felt like that relationship was very sort of it just, you know, a, an super uneven abusive relationship because, you know, it's yeah. it's clear that the general to some extent does care for terrain, but it's always filtered through the, you know, undying loyalty to the Baladarian Empire. So, I I I recognize that the the book I to me, I read it as the book wants me to understand that Terrain really likes the general, but I never felt like I was right. being told that I should because I never, I never did. I, I always just saw her as like, uh, like I just kept looking at Terrain and going, "Oh, honey, this is this is a bad yes. situation that you need yeah. to get out from underneath her." It doesn't matter if she she cares about you like a pet; she's never going to go to bat for you for real, for real. So you just need to you need to get out of that <laughs> that relationship, and she never did. I um. I think of one of the things that that I kept coming back to as I was reading this book, and I had a lot of time to think about it because I was reading this book for a lot longer than I wanted to, um, is in many ways thematically it reminds me of the Divine City series by Robert Jackson Bennett. I thought the same thing, and it, and that series is just way better. I mean, that's yep. just I, it's better executed. Every book is better executed. It deals with a lot of the same themes. It's got a, a charismatic general uh who you're like i don't know about this person like but i can understand why they're charismatic like it's got so many similar elements and um i i just think those books are 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 having recently read them they're they're just so much better executed so i unfortunately it um this this book just paled in comparison to those books too so there's that i've only read the first couple of those i still have to read the last one i I guess now that you mentioned it, I'm seeing some similarities, but I don't know. They've, they felt so vastly different to me yeah, in terms of the, the settings that it, yeah. It didn't, yeah. Uh, I, I, they're different in some ways, but I agree with Jason. The broad strokes are there because you have the same thing where there's like an empire that's ruling this other group and of people. And gods some places and, and no and gods other God places. some places, right. no gods other places. There's a sort of machinations character who is like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. physically like not somebody that people like basically somebody underestimated because of their physicality who turns out to be really smart and yeah it doesn't it's it hits some of the big notes yeah some of yeah. the big notes in a, in a in a way that yeah. i thought was more successful than this well we've beaten up on this poor book enough it yeah. got nominated for a nebula award good job but um here's one thing yeah. i really loved about sure. it though lgbtq like n- completely neutral like mm-hmm. no not a big deal same gender relationships not a big deal um bisexual pansexual type relationships don't seem to be like big deal for people to be bi or pan um loved that like mm-hmm. not even an eyebrow raised no mention of it it was just completely completely neutral yeah. and i loved that i also so like good. the treatment of disability the fact that you know the there's one character who doesn't have uh, her entire arm and that's that's not like a big deal and she is still a super badass she is? and we do have yeah. also have the queen queen in waiting who is disabled and it's uh it's treated in a way that 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 felt real to me because people like people looked at her being like oh right yeah you know and it would give her looks and stuff but also she had all the power because she's freaking royalty yeah so nobody ever yeah. dissed her for it i like that aspect of her character and it's well exp- like the whole backstory behind it and everything i thought was well done and like the way that she's portrayed and the way that she acts and feels like she needs to put up a front even though she's you know suffering from pain and stuff like that i mean all that came together i thought in that aspect of it was really 
really solid, believable, and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. All right. Uh, before we go, I thought I'd go around quickly and see if anybody had any books that they've read uh, recently that they might want to recommend. Um, and uh, you know, we call this what are what are we reading? But of course, we're not reading anything now. We're recording a podcast. Just stipulate <laughs> it's mostly what have we read lately? Uh, Dan, have you read anything lately that you'd like to recommend? Boy, have I, Jason. Um, you also weren't um, on the previous episode, so you've got a wider window than some of us do. <laughs> I've been reading other nominated books the la- since the last episode. <laughs> I finished two books recently um, that I quite liked, one of which I think some of you have read, The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman, um, which is a murder mystery set in a basically a retirement home in the UK. And... It's delightful and fun and just very light. And uh, if you enjoy just sort of like, you know, your sort of stereotypical British mysteries, it's kind of a fun twist on that. Uh, Richard Osman also is a, uh, I guess, I don't know, TV personality in the UK. Uh, I knew him from an, a series of Taskmaster, um, but he also has hosted, I think, a variety of game shows and stuff like that. But it's just a very charming, cute little book. Uh, I also recently finished the uh, most recent installment of the Rivers of London series, Amongst Our Weapons, uh, mm. by... Uh, and it, it took me for a long time to realize that the, the title was a, a joke about the Monty Python skit about the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, and there are several <laughs> other jokes in that book about that, and mm. it's very funny. Anyways, I enjoyed that series. Ben Aronovich is a nerd. Yeah. He is a nerd. Uh, and his I love that series unabashedly. This one's good. I enjoyed it. Um... And I think those are the two most recent things I've read. Great. Aline, you also weren't on last time. Anything to recommend? Mm-hmm. Um, so I we read Jade City a couple of years ago uh-huh. as a nominated novel, and it wasn't nominated since or the sequels were not nominated, so I didn't read them because I was waiting for them all to come out, and they have all come out. So I finished um the Green Bones saga, uh, and that was pretty good. I I binged all three books like in a row, and I was a little bit tired of kind of um, Jade Mafia stuff right. by the time I got to the, the Jade end Godfather of it. Jade Godfather saga, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so just kind of. I like I that book people... too. I I, I haven't gotten was... back to that series because it was nominated for something, so I read book one. Yeah. But, but I did like it. I I, I should get back to that. Yeah, the other two, they are good, but it's more of the same. So right. just kind of if you need to to kind of interleave it with some other stuff, that might not be a bad idea. I just, I got them from the library, so I was on a deadline. I was like, yep, just go on for it. Um, but they were good. Um, I really, my first, I read my first T. Kingfisher book um, and I chose <gasps> Minor Mage and it was super cute. Uh, it's about a... Um, 
a mage, a wizard, um, who is trying to, uh, and he's a teenager, um, because T. Kingfisher is um, Ursula Vernon's um, YA YA pseudonym persona. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he is, uh, I think, 15 or so off to save the save his region from drought and um, his misadventures. Um, he's not a great wizard. He is a minor mage. And it's really, really good. I like it. I'm excited to read more of her stuff and to dive into her um a you know grown up books <laughs> and then another book that I read recently uh that I liked I didn't quite love it but it gave me such good um Naomi Novik feels was the Wolf in the Woodsman by Ava Reed and it's her, it was her it's a fantasy novel debut novel and it just kind of it scratched that itch for me and I'm really really hoping that uh that the author gets more books because I really feel like it's it, she's going to have more um of those like I don't know how to describe Naomi, no Naomi Novik's um, fantasy novels, but like they just have this really comforting, um, wrapped up in a warm blanket, um, but not not necessarily like feel good feels. How do, help me out here, y'all? <laughs> like, how, how do you describe them? They're so good. They, I think you're right that they are. Yeah, they're not like warm fuzzy it's not feel like good but they are comforting in a way because they're they're you know riffing on fairy tale type things that are so sort of deep-seated for for somebody who's been reading the types of books that we have for so long um that it takes some of those beats that just feel you can feel those beats in your bones but it does interesting and different things with them so yeah. it's yeah. comforting and unexpected at the same time which is a nice trick yeah yeah, it's not like Beauty and the Beast. It's not Disney, but it's um, but it's comforting and comfortable while also being love. I don't know. They're lovely. Okay. Just it's a good book. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out. Okay, Scott, you read a lot of books. Do you have any to recommend? Uh, sure, I will say if you have beats in your bones, consult a physician uh, <laughs> or, or doctor. Or stop eating so many beets. <laughs> uh, they are, they're delicious. Uh, very earthy. Uh, I like a beet. Anyway, uh, I uh, mystery books uh, are something that I enjoy reading. There are many, many of them. And so mm. there are many categories of them. Some of them focus on, you know, intricate plotting and locked rooms and others focus on um, unlikely protagonists with particular, uh, you know, uh, uh, careers. So, you know, there are many that people run bookstores and people get murdered in these small towns all the time. Uh, this one pictured, if you will, a disgraced stage magician moves back home to her father's house. Her father owns a company that specializes in creating secret rooms for rich people in their houses. And uh, on the job site, they find her stage double murdered and stuffed inside a wall that hasn't been touched in a hundred years. And that is oh. under lock and skeleton key by G.G. Pandian. And it was a delight. I, now I want to read that. That's yeah. a great setup. Yeah, well done. That great. Well summarized, Scott. Uh, yeah. There you go. 
it's a lot of fun. And that's that. I will. I've read a bunch of other things, but that one is fun. And uh, that's the one people should read. All right. Erica? Well, I will say if you have read uh, Unbroken and liked the way it was like the, the way the words were used, but maybe didn't dig the novel length type thing. Uh, I just want to recommend a couple of short stories by C.L. Clark from Uncanny Magazine, uh, because I just read the story called Your Eyes, My Beacon, being an account of several misadventures and how I found my way home. That's <laughs> a very long title, but it's a short story. Uh, and I read it for the most recent, uh, I think it was the most recent Uncanny podcast, and I really in- enjoyed it. Uh, and then I also, because when I picked up The Unbroken, I was like, why does the name C.L. Clark sound so familiar? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, because they wrote that story that I just read. <laughs> And then uh, I was looking at their bibliography on the Uncanny website and realized they also wrote You Perfect Broken Thing, which don't read it unless you're like ready to cry. It's very, very short, but it like it, it's very it 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 hurt, <laughs> but in a really, really good way. So maybe if you need some catharsis, check that out. Uh, I also just I haven't gotten very far in it yet, but I just started reading Rosebud by Paul Cornell. Um, and, and I will just read you like this, this little blurb. It says the crew of the Rosebud. Rosebud are currently, and by force of law, a balloon, a goth with a swagger stick, and some sort of science aristoc- aristocrat, possibly, a ball of hands, and a swarm of insects. And that is, like, if that kind of weirdness is is up your alley, this this book is is up your alley. I'm, I'm not that far into it, but it is, like, that's a perfect uh, explanation of, of just how kind of strange it is. It's like a microscopic ship that is supposed to be mining, um, and it runs into something spooky, and Ooh. they have to work together to figure out what to do with it. Uh, but the, the last thing that I want to mention, and Jason has already mentioned this in a what are we reading section uh-huh. i think it was even on the last one uh-huh. is i read winter's orbit by uh-huh. everina maxwell oh my god like i just i'm not gonna go into detail because jason good, already I'm, has i'm two uh, chapters in so right. please don't. Dan, well dan but, it's the most vorkosigany yeah. thing That's why do you thing? think i picked it up yep. mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> if if anything is going to get me to read those books it's probably you guys oh. saying that um because this book was just it was absolutely perfect for me as a reader. I have not fallen that hard head over heels for a book uh, in in quite a while. Like every time I wasn't reading it, I just wanted to go back to reading it. And uh, and Jason, you mentioned that there's a romance in it, and it I I have I have been sort of veering toward more romantic stuff lately, just for the comforts and uh, some of like the the tropiness of the romance and I say that like in a good way because mm-hmm. when I want romance I want certain romance tropes and you know the the, the prince who's forced to marry and the poor guy who uh, is a widower and is then forced to marry the prince and you know the, the there's all the first of all royalty I'm a, I'm a just a sucker for a, for a royalty sort of uh, romance thing but then the you know not understanding you know I, I one of them likes the, the other one and they both like each other but they can't see it for reasons for reasons that make really good sense and that's one of the things where like sometimes I'm watching a romance and I'm like oh yeah this this isn't holding up but every every character beat in these books makes perfect sense and at the same time there's a really really interesting story happening so it's like I get the characters and I get the plot both in one book yay uh so yeah i just super super highly second the recommendation for winter's orbit because it was great and i immediately pre-ordered her next book which is not a sequel but it does take place in the same universe so i'm excited nice well um 
thanks to Katie Mack who recommended that book. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just spread the word, spread the word. Well, Erica, you can read one last stop by Casey McQuiston next. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I have that on my list. It's another so. romance that I read. Uh, uh, here's, here, I don't have any romances to recommend this time. Sorry, everybody. But Dan, I think you're going to like that book. I, I'm looking forward to hearing how you like that one because it is so. Um, I'm I'm reading it right so now. So reminiscent to in, in some ways of those Lois McMaster Bujol books. Um, really quickly, I have three recommendations. Um, Rethinking Fandom by Craig Calcaterra is a really fun, pretty quick read about uh, sort of sports fans in the 21st century sort of taking back control of the relationship they have with sports and making it um, uh, less unhealthy than it may have become. Uh, Really, from a professional sports writer, a book about how we maybe should uh, take sports a little less seriously, admit that admit all their flaws and try to create a scaffolding that allows us to enjoy them for what they are and not more than that. So Rethinking Fandom by Craig Calcaterra. Good stuff. Uh, I'm contractually obligated, I think, to mention if Scott doesn't, a book by KJ Parker. So I'll throw in the one <laughs> that we haven't talked about, I think, which is How to Rule an Empire and Get Away with It, book two. Uh, very good of the siege trilogy, which involves a, an actor who is hired to pretend to be an emperor, but nobody really remembers what the emperor looks like because the emperor was a front for somebody else to run the the city. And, uh, you can pretty much guess what happens there because the actor says, maybe I could be the emperor. (laughs) And, uh, it goes from there. It's good stuff. All those, those books are great. Those books are all great. Thank you, Scott. Full credit to Scott for turning me on to those. And uh, last book I'll recommend is a book called All of the Marvels, A Journey to the Ends of the Biggest Story Ever Told by Douglas Wolk, who is a guy who read all 27,000 plus Marvel superhero comics. Oh my gosh. And And had time to write a book. And wrote a book (laughs) trying to thread together the various (laughs) storylines of Marvel's history um, and what he learned along the way, say, making the argument that it is a unique um, work of collaborative art, creating a half million page interconnected story over the course of 60 years. Uh, it's actually a lot of fun because what he does is he does like, let me tell you about the Avengers or let me tell you about Black Panther. And he talks about the history and like how they're how they were created and then how they were portrayed and then how they were, uh, um, you know, changed and trying to kind of interconnect it and make sense of it, but also have it, you know, sort of recognize the different things that are going on. I think it's a very entertaining book. I'm reading it in short bits. I'm reading, I read a few chapters and it's like, okay, that's enough of that for a little while. And then I come back to it, but it's actually been a a great deal of fun. And I'm glad he read them and I didn't. I I, I mean, I've read (laughs) many thousand of them, but not all 27,000, let me tell you. So uh, it's a fun book. uh, If you're interested in, diving into the insanity of Marvel comics since 1961 and how they all connect. And that brings us to the end of the book club, but don't worry. There's another one. Part three is coming. We're going to read light from uncommon stars, project hail Mary and she who became the sun, all Hugo nominees and some short fiction too, probably at least Erica and I'll read some short fiction. I know we we're good for it. We do that (laughs) service. We provide. But until we re- we reconvene in a, a couple of months for part three, let me thank my panelists who read three whole books to be on this podcast. Uh, it's it's not an insubstantial amount of work, uh, so I appreciate it. Aline Sims, thank you. Felt like a Christmas miracle. 
<laughs> it was good to have you back. Dan Morin, thanks. thanks for joining us. You know what I always say? Better to read three books than write three books. <laughs> yeah, you always say that. <laughs> Scott McNulty, thank you. Thank you, Jason. And thanks for reading all the books. I've read them all. Yeah. And you and remembered none of them, but that's okay. That's true. Yeah. And Erica Ensign, thank you. I just, I, I want to take the next three months off and just read all the books you guys talked about and all the awards books. Just books, 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 books. Oh, books. That's it. Books. It, it, I couldn't have said it better. Books. <laughs> and uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We'll be back in a week. Goodbye. <laughs>